hello again, everybody. Welcome into another edition. This is Cross Functionality, the show connecting coaching baseball, softball, male, female, hosted by former college baseball and softball players. You can probably guess which one is which. I'm Jim. Let me say hi. Cassie, what's going on? My friend, co-host, softball national champion at the University of Alabama, current day renowned coach, ready to talk some hitting today. Let's get this thing started, baby. <laughs> Very excited. It's going to be a good, a good episode today, episode 43, Common Hitting Misconceptions. You and I both love to talk about hitting, and we're going to discuss some of those misconceptions today. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, or on YouTube, the Softball Strength Academy YouTube page. I'm pulling something up on my phone that Cassie and I wanted to talk about here and start the show that kind of connects back to what we talked about last week in episode 42, and go back in the archives, of course, and listen to that episode, previous episodes as well. Bo Bichette, who right now leads all of Major League Baseball in hits. I think he's still the hits leader. At least he's in the top five in all of Major League Baseball. He's probably their best hitter, the Blue Jays' best hitter right now in, in their lineup with the struggles of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and others. But Bo Bichette said this when asked a question about sitting on off-speed pitches and letting the fast go fastball go by this is what Bo had to say and it connects back to what we talked about last week get to that in a second but Bo said yes this is an exact quote yes but there are moments where they're probably not going to throw you a fastball I think you have to be okay with letting the fastball go by sometimes again that tells you all you need to know about major league hitters, Cassie, about their approaches and it all stems back to that magical word that we talked about so much in previous episodes and really discussed it last week, you have to have an approach. And if your approach is foolproof and it's solid, you won't be afraid. Everything Bo just said right here, you won't be afraid to let that fastball go by right down the middle because you know you can still do damage on that next pitch if you're if you have the correct approach and, and you're guessing correctly. And again, like some of you might be listening to this and being like, what are you talking about? It's That's right. You, you have That's to speak. Okay. <laughs> it is. Yeah, this is this is when you're facing that really tough pitcher. This is when you're at that next level of play where you're not you have to play the odds. And you, it's very similar to if you have a hitter who is a pull hitter and it's late in the game and you have a shift on. You can't all of a sudden get upset when they for the first time in. 100 at-bats hit a dribbler down the opposite field line. It's you're playing the odds. And so when you're having an approach at the plate and you're saying, listen, this pitcher throws this breaking ball every single at-bat, at least twice twice an at-bat, I know I can hit this. This is what I've dialed up my, my plan for. This is what I'm cued in for. If all of a sudden you see that fastball and then you deviate from your plan, you're going to get yourself out on that fastball anyway. Um, if you, you know, Granted, the plan changes with two strikes, but early in the count, this is where you're playing the odds. You're playing the odds where I'm sitting fastball. And you had mentioned before the show, you're just watching a game the other day. Guy takes a fastball down the middle. You know, maybe, you know, who knows? An announcer, maybe someone has something to say about it, whatever it may be. Next ball is a breaking ball that he crushes because that's what his approach was. That's what he was sitting on. So it is just um, that just goes to show, listen, the approach matters. It's always going to matter. Um, and you do have to be OK, as hard as it may be to rewire some of that thought process letting some of those quote-unquote perfect pitches go by. You know, but you get so used to, as a hitter, having such a good approach that you don't really mind if that fastball goes by right down the middle. You just stick to your plan, and you un it's it's part of understanding the game. You know, Gabe Kapler, manager of the Giants, recently said this. I don't know if, if you saw it, Cass. I think he said it within the last year or so. He talked about why why not have hitters swing on 3-0? and Why not 
tailor their approach to swing on three and zero because that's probably the best pitch you're going to get in that plate appearance. It might be the best pitch that you get get all game. It might be that best pitch you get all week. Why would you wait until three and one when the pitcher gets a strike over and then if he's feeling his breaking ball that day or if that the breaking ball might be his number one pitch and he might be getting all those swings and misses. Why would you wait until three and one? Why would you not swing on three and zero? Oh? That's mm-hmm. going to be the best pitch you get all game. I think that that's good logical thinking, and it really points to again having and tailoring that proper approach. So really, you could do damage ultimately with that fastball, even if you take that fastball earlier in the at bat, right down the middle, or of course doing damage with a breaking ball. Yeah, absolutely. And this is again, this is uh, you know you had said when you're so dialed into your approach, it's. It's almost an, a success, to be honest with you. Like you're sitting one speed, you're sitting breaking ball, you're sitting off speed, let's say, and the girl throws this fast ball that hits the outside corner for a strike. Oh, you step out and you're not like, damn, I should have hit that. You're saying that's like, it's like, a, regardless that it was a strike or not, that's a victory in your book. You know what I mean? And so all of a sudden your confidence goes up because you're like, okay, cool. This is exactly, I'm, I'm sticking to my plan. And as a hitter, that's just reassurance. Like I'm dialed into the speed that I want to hit. Um, so it is interesting. It's, it's funny when you hear fans go, oh, like when a strike goes by or when it, you know, announcers will say something, but then you see the hitter just completely on phase. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Or fans go to Reddit and, and talk about that on their team's Reddit page. <laughs> why isn't, why did this hitter take this pitch right down the middle? Well, we can answer that for you. Episode 43 today, common hitting misconceptions. Again, subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your shows or on Pandora, we're on iHeart as well. And on YouTube, the Softball Strength Academy YouTube page this week, we're breaking down common hitting misconceptions, both past and present. And it really comes down to stripping away all of the BS mechanics, right, and absolutes and understanding what a hitter is really all about. Timing, swing plane, approach, among other things, these are all very, very important. But when you get rid of those common misconceptions, both past and present, and you must be careful that you don't blur the lines between absolutes and misconceptions. Oftentimes, coaches will do that. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But deciphering the two correctly will benefit hitters in the long run. You know what? I, I had this idea for a while because it's we have uh, viewers of this podcast and then people who consume social media are going to be anywhere from people who have recently played and are able to access research and are really diving into a coaching career and can be all in to parents who have completely different careers. Maybe you played 20 years ago and are kind of just getting their feet wet again and trying to help out their kid with coaching. And for those that maybe don't have the time or resources available to dive into the nitty gritty, like what's changed. Um, this is, I think, very interesting to be able to go over, um, the, you know, and very coincidentally, one of my little league coaches that I've been very close with and stayed in touch with, um, is actually coaching special Olympics right now. And he stopped by my office recently and was like, Hey, he's like, I haven't coached in 11 years. I just want to make sure are are people still teaching this? Is this still how things are going to go? So, um, it was just, I I guess that's the purpose of why we wanted to do the show and just kind of have these discussions and. Um, you know, something too is what is what is actually happening? What is just something that we feel is happening? And what you know, what's the difference between a cue versus a mechanical breakdown? Right? Where's that? Where's that blurred line between absolutes and uh, maybe just this misconception that has been going on in our sport for a long time? So let me ask you before we get into some past misconceptions and present day misconceptions. Why do you think coaches for a long time, and it's been high level college coaches both baseball and softball. It's been professional coaches at the major league level. There's been people who have written books about hitting 
where these misconceptions have been very present and they've been oftentimes repeated on those pages in those books. Why do you think coaches have preached these things? Was it just a sign of the times? Was it something that was a feel versus real type thing that they really didn't truly understand? While feel versus real is very real and it's, it's something that's very important for a lot of hitters out there. Why did the coaches always preach these misconceptions back in the 70s and 80s that have been proven scientifically and through trial and error, error not to be real? You know, I, I mean, it could be a combination of a lot of things, but I have to imagine at some point something, there was some confirmation bias, right? There was had to be at some point their favorite hitter ever said, you know, I just try to squish the bug or I try to swing down on the ball to get that backspin. And they viewed it as working. It was like, well, they said they were doing this and it looked like they were doing this and it worked. And so I have to imagine then, you know, and baseball is just such a old timey sport. I think it's helped the sport in some ways with still having a history to it, but I think it's hurt the sport in a lot of ways because there's so much new technology that has come out that I think has been faced with some resistance, right? You have some, you have organizations with old school coaches wanting to still teach a lot off of feel and new school coaches that are saying, no, 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 look at all this data, look at all this film, look at everything that we can gather about athletes now. So I have to imagine it's it's some type of confirmation or combination of, but there had to be at some point in the in in their career where they heard something, they thought they saw something, and they were like, "This must be it. This must be why this works." Or they felt it th- themselves, and it worked for them. It sounds like, <laughs> I mean, some of the the best coaches as well that have done this, but it sounds like they put a blanket over a large majority of people or hitters and said, "This is what should be done." When one of the golden rules, correct me if I'm wrong, of coaching is you, you have to sometimes individualize more than sometimes, a lot of times individualize with that player to get them right, both both physically, both mentally. Yeah, there's there's certain overarching principles that are going to apply, like yeah. the way someone moves and, and the way someone creates power and the way, um, you know, maybe we, we see of all like certain overarching principles but I always get so nervous when I hear an absolute when I hear every hitter should be doing this why isn't your hitter doing that um and the other thing too is when that absolute is in the form of a cue so hey every hitter should be feeling like they're swinging down the ball every hitter should have this type of feel that always gets me nervous because a cue is that interpersonal relationship again between the athlete and the coach And I have no problem if a coach tells an athlete to swing down on the ball because maybe they're trying to get them to level out on a high pitch. However, they need to know that that is a feel and not actually what's going on. That's not an an overarching principle that we're now going to carry on for the next 20, 30 years in our sport. Um, But maybe that's what we have to tell the athlete in order to achieve the actual swing that we want them to to be swinging. So be sure to follow us on social media at Jim Tara on both Twitter and Instagram at coach underscore Cassie RB. Um, at coach underscore Cassie RB on Instagram at coach Cassie RB on Twitter. I was doing so well. I, I had like a well, 20, know, week, 20 lesson week learned. There. Lesson yeah. learned. If you ever make an Instagram and a Twitter, don't make them different things. <laughs> it, it's uh, that little underscore. It's so easy yet. I, I don't look I, 20 weeks. It was like 20, 21 weeks in a row that I, that I didn't fumble. You crushed it. Yeah. I know, so I'm, I'm proud you know it better than I do. If I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> episode 43 today common hitting misconceptions thank you for joining us as always um let's talk about some here i've got a bunch written down we'll, we'll go first with the, the past right past misconceptions sure. we'll talk about one of the worst of all time squishing the bug i mean you're literally just 
corkscrewing yourself into the ground when you do that and and not and literally pushing down the ground force that you could be generating back elbow up barrel above the ball swing down now see the barrel above the well okay no okay but the swing down part that you can almost if a guy or a girl has a steep attack angle mm. or a big launch angle deep launch angle so it should be, it should be more barrel above hands is like the misconception because that is that can never happen the barrel above the ball is more like right if you have someone that like a, a, a high spin rate guy throwing in baseball a rice ball pitcher in softball you might be needing to think barrel above of yeah. the ball a little bit so you but, can kind of with swinging down almost reword it that doesn't make it a misconception that's so fair enough can, maybe we can cross that one off the list okay. you know what you want to be on plane with the ball that's yes. that's the idea and so if a hitter is plane is off and they are too steep and whatever and you say hey listen i need you to figure out this barrel of the ball type fine but it's not the actual thing that's happening on every single pitch (laughs) so all right so squish the bug that's probably the worst one no yeah and you know what's so funny it's like okay so why why did that come about in the first place and you you watch old-timey videos right and it's like i don't know the frame rate per second but it was like cha-ching 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 and so you're seeing Babe Ruth here, and then you're seeing Babe Ruth corkscrewed at the end of his swing, right? Like, you're not quite getting the frame rates to be able to break down his swing piece, piece by piece by piece. And I think that the the idea of it is like, okay, this is where you end up. You end up with your back foot completely turned. How do we get kids? How do we get people to really feel that? Yes, you want rotation in your swing, but I think we've, we've talked about it till we're blue in the face. We want the rotation to be generated from that hip. We want it to be happening post that front heel contact. That's when our rotation really does need to start happening and it's not from the back foot spinning by any means there's if anything we don't want that back heel hanging out behind the line so could i add could i add a misconception please so squishing the bug with the back foot right that's mm-hmm. that's probably like one of the worst ones of like all time what about the here's another one though that this might be 1a what about the I, you probably haven't heard this one in a very long time but you probably did hear it from coaches when you were like seven eight years old pivoting the front foot in your swing with the back foot so like oh at the same time at the same time oh, thinking boy. like oh man we're gonna get maximum rotation here <laughs> <laughs> and again with think about probably why that came about you see the end of a swing someone's front foot is open their back foot's turned it's like duh let's have this happen at the same time <laughs> yeah yeah what people don't know is that that foot correct me if i'm wrong that foot opens up with the ground force that you've generated for sure well right and it and honestly for some hitters depending on what type of hip they have the land open and it's not even, you know, that was actually keeping the front side closed longer. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, that kind of leads into this one where it's like so many people think, oh, okay, your front shoulder's opening up, your head's pulling off. You just need to land with a closed front foot and that'll fix your whole front side. When in actuality, we're not all designed with hips to be able to handle keeping your front foot closed. I think Juan Soto is maybe one of the only hitters who can like really get away with that type of mobility. His front yeah. foot is closed and his hips can really, really rotate. But most hitters very naturally, most little kids, watch little kids when they go to step, they'll land with it a little open so that their front hip can create room and the rest of their swing can can actually happen. It's so great we have the technology now to scientifically be able to tell if, if a guy or girl has the proper hip rotation or can get that amount of hip flexibility to where they can open, open or close. By the way, I just thought of this too with these common hitting misconceptions talking about this today and you mentioned Juan Soto there. I would bet a decent amount of money if I was a betting man, I would bet a decent amount of money 
that he probably doesn't even know that he that he lands closed or that his front foot is closed. And you know what? It, it, right. it could be. Yeah, listen, I'm not like watching every single one of his at best. This is a handful of videos I've seen on the Internet where I'm like, wow, his foot is definitely more closed than I noticed most hitters. Um, and I guess I'm partial to it because that was something through college that I thought I had to do. Yeah. And the amount of times I ended up like over my front foot because my hip is trying to drive and it has nowhere to go. It has yeah. to just go forward. It can't rotate. I was who taught, so who taught you that, that, that told you, Hey, you gotta, you know, you, you gotta get that firm front side and get that leverage with your front foot completely closed. You know, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm sure I heard it from some hitting coach, but it just made so much sense where I was like, Oh, cause you know what? I used to be, I, I had a big swing. I had a huge follow through and people used to tell me you're pulling your head too soon. Yeah. So I thought that was actually an issue I had. Granted, I go back and watch video and it's at contact. My head is fine, but I think in my head, in my head as a college athlete, I was like, okay, I have to keep my head down longer. This this is probably going to help me. Um, or I thought I had an issue with coming too far forward on changeups, and I thought this might help. You know. Yeah. So. So it almost anyway. stopped like the weight shift. Yeah. It. Right. Exactly. So the back elbow up, we we kind of can almost like gloss over that because that doesn't mean anything. It's such a it's such a blanket. Like, hey, go ahead and, and do that now. Granted, like that elbow position i actually care less about the elbow position and i care more about their wrist and hand position we don't want a hand that's too cranked we don't want a hand that's that's too uh let's see this is uh flexed extended yeah Yeah. so we i mean that i mean you could talk about knocking knuckles too being lined up like they don't that's I no. Is that a misconception? I'm. I, I've heard that. I mean, I don't know. Ichiro used to do. He used to line up his knuckles, and you could tell when he was at the plate that he had the the, the uh, index finger slanted <laughs> out, and he had the knuckles lined up, right? Right. So I, I, the way I've worded it is, I do not think we need to force. Not everybody has the wrist mobility to handle the the like the knuckles being perfectly lined up. What I say is, you don't want those small knuckles on the top to pass the big knuckles on the bottom, because that's when you get a position where. Your, rat, your wrist is flexed, right? So your top hand wrist is flexed. And now in order for you to get to a palm up position, you've just made it so much harder in your swing to be to get to that on plane position. So that little crank in your hand all of a sudden inhibits you getting to that position. Now you watch slow pitch softball players and they can be they can get away with this because they don't need to be on the same type of plane as as a faster pitch needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. So this is everything we're talking about today with these misconceptions and it's leading into some other scientific conversations that we could have. This goes to show you how important it is sports specific wise to lift correctly and to train correctly. You have to have the proper wrist mobility. So you don't, as you mentioned, turn that palm over, right? You should have the proper hip mobility and work on your hip mobility and your glute strength so that you can land your front foot open and get the proper leverage. So that's where I'm glad science is really and, and numbers and the data that, that we've really advanced to that point to now we can we can lift and, and work out properly to get our athletes with the proper mobility in the proper position that gives them the best success. Mm-hmm. When you think about that, right? You forget about all the misconceptions at that point. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And and granted too, like you might have someone with a really explosive swing and they're like, why do I need the weight room and it's like so you can continue either getting explosive or we can apply some breaks to your body because you're going to have the weight room is going to be just as good for preventing injury as it is for you advancing in your strength and performance as well that just building resiliency so that you can be consistent over 68 games in a season 160 games in a season that's really where the conditioning of your body matters 
you know, we talk so much, you know, with scouts and everything, they always say, and you've talked to many scouts and coaches, does he have a big league type body? It doesn't matter mm-hmm. the size of the body. It, can he play at least 150 games over a consistent period of time throughout his career? If he's injury prone, that's not going to work. Makes it hard, right? Simply not going to work for the organization. It's not going to be a good investment and it's not going to help the player progress in their career. Amen. Amen to that. Amen, Jimbo. <laughs> Follow me on social media at Jim Tara. Um, oh, be sure to email us to your question to Jimbo Podcast 21 <laughs> at gmail.com. Next week, we're talking about breaking bad habit loops. That'll be episode 44. We're not done, though, here. Episode 43. We're going to mm-hmm. talk now about new misconceptions in the year 2023. New misconceptions that whatever, whatever, whatever reason have been brought to light with new technology, new data, misconceptions that have grown in the past say decade right um talking about some new misconceptions some of it has to do with approach you know we talked about that bow quote earlier and him taking a fastball previously right down the middle or the propensity for major league hitters to do such a thing and still be okay in that plate appearance so that's a misconception right there taking a Mm -hmm. fastball right down the middle ruins your plate appearance not necessarily true right and and shoot we're we've talked about it we're going to continue talking about it but i think that is if you're coaching little league athletes who are seeing one strike every at bat because pitching is so all over the place, this is not when that principle applies. When we're getting into higher level travel ball, higher level high school, collegiate level, professional level, this is when those principles begin to apply. Yeah. What other mis- new misconceptions do you have in this in the year 2023 that that over your time as a coach you've seen grow and you're trying to get rid of with your athletes? Sure. Yeah. So. um I can I can allude to to one that is I think a I think these are more uh, conversation points that need to be had because they're it's hard to call them a misconception because they kind of haven't lived in in baseball or softball for years you know these are new things that have come up but we're seeing a lot of um, especially with technology you have hitters who are trying to again get into these absolute positions they're trying to hey can I get on plane by getting my back my rear elbow into this this slot into this layback position so i can get on plane sooner and what ends up happening is um one of two things if we have an athlete who has a really really tight shoulder capsule or a really tight lat right so your lat can, is an internal rotator of your shoulder that can lead to just a it's a decelerator of your shoulder it can if you have tightness there what's going to happen is you're going to end up needing to get into your side bend a little bit more in order to make space for this back arm to get through because it's not going to have the mobility to be able to get, do it itself Additionally, if you, let's say you are a right-handed thrower and a lefty hitter, well, of course, this shoulder capsule is not going to be as externally rotate, have as much external rotation available because you don't throw from that side. So, again, that hitter is going to need to to probably make up for it by being in a side bend a little bit more. So, you might have this coach who's looking at a hitter swing and then maybe comparing to a higher-level athlete or a professional athlete, being like, well, "Why doesn't this line up? We need to we need to make these adjustments. We need to fix X, Y, and Z." without realizing that there's certain mobility limitations based on tightness, based on uh, just structurally how they're built. Um, so I think those are those are red flags I've seen. Just technology is getting better. Video of athletes is getting better. You have coaches who are knowing enough to just enough to like start to make these tweaks, but they maybe don't know the whole story, maybe everything that's going on with an athlete. So they just they just know enough. These coaches mm-hmm. isn't that's it's such a that's such a thing that you see every day in life where you you get the outskirts of something or a topic and then you think that you're an expert or at least Even, a you know, 
to do least, certain changes. Right, yeah. Right. And and Elon Musk <laughs> has said this before, the key to learning anything is to learn the, the pillars of that subject. But people think they're learning the pillars of the subject, but they're actually not. They're they're learning different things that don't really apply to the meat of the subject that gets them to learn the proper way. And I think that's that that's an imposter syndrome that we see so many times now with hitters and hitting coaches, um, more specifically on social media. I know change the algorithm, but with hitting coaches and, and just in general, people thinking they know more than they actually do. And they're just recycling old principles about hitting. But at the same time, I've noticed are creating new misconceptions <laughs> in year 2023. So it's, it's kind of a nasty cycle. For sure. Uh, so something I learned with the Pirates, and to be honest, it's uh, very, very similar to stuff that we're working on with our athletes that are 17, 18, 19, these older athletes. Um, I think as coaches, we sometimes think, okay, our job is to fix the athlete. Let's let's find what's wrong with them and then let's fix it. And when I was with the Pirates, there was a double-A hitter. He had, um, he, had, he had a long femur. And what that did is it really put him into a quad dominant position. And it didn't, you know, when we talk about a hinge position in the in the stance or in the swing, we talk about a hitter being able to shove their butt back, maybe have their knee in line with their front foot and have them be in this little bent over position. And this hitter just wasn't really able to achieve those positions. He was in his younger 20s and the Pirates was like, yeah, we're not we're not going to try to spend his entire time here trying to fix that one little thing. He is a high ball hitter. He is someone who's going to maybe sit in his quad a little bit more. He's looking from belly buttoning up or, or wasting up. And that's his sweet spot. And we have a pitcher that is a high spin rate guy. That's we're putting him in the lineup. And it was so interesting that the coaching philosophy was like, instead of spending all this time trying to fix something that we could maybe get just a little bit better on, we are going after what you are already good at. And we are making that part of your approach. We're making that part of your game plan. And we are making this be that much be like what you're already good at that much better. Yeah. You know, um, I was going to say a misconception. I want to ask first though, before I name the next one, this is kind of what I, um, think is a misconception um i actually really despise this one a lot um do you use the word hinge by any chance yes when i have a athlete who it works for if that makes okay. sense so if an athlete is super quad dominant and i'm trying to get them into a posterior dominant position and i say you know i know they're in the weight room downstairs and i'm like hey if you were gonna start your hinge where would you go and all of a sudden it corrects it i'm like Beautiful. It works. Okay. That works for you. Um, so again, that's a cue. Um, really, we're just defining an athlete not being quad dominant and trying to get into a posterior dominant position. Yeah, because I, I, I it's fine when it's used like you do with as a cue, but I'm not sure it, coaches use it way too often when they're breaking down. I, I guess mm. that this is the way I should put it. Not, I shouldn't put it in a coaching context when they're breaking down film or video of say Mike Trout. Mike Trout's a big one on social media that coaches like to point to and say he hinges with that back hip. I don't agree because a hinge, if anybody is in the weight room or they they lift weights, they understand um, what a good morning bend is. I'm sure you understand what yep. that is. Good for your posterior chain. That's a hinge. That is, by definition, a true hinge. If a hitter were to do that, everything would be out of whack. So Mike Trout isn't necessarily hinging, and maybe that's a cue that he may use or other hitters and coaches like yourself use to help a hitter get less quad dominant. But just to put a blanket statement over a hitter and say, well, he hinges every time in his swing when he does hit for power or when he does hit gap to gap, in my opinion, that's a misconception, and it's completely wrong. Mm. It's fair. Yeah. Right. So like, uh, I think 
the torso angle is probably like maybe what they're going off of and it's just the initial stage right so like but it's still it still isn't the same they're not good morning they're not rdling they're not yeah. deadlifting right so yeah. yeah i totally get i get what you mean but it's it's funny because it is something that is just i think too so something else that drives me nuts that people talk about is when they say the hitter is separating and they're talking about the hands moving away from the front foot. Yeah. When true separation is that front hip committing with the with the shoulder staying back. So you have, I always, whenever I teach at clinics, I always say, listen, people have used separation to define a phase in the swing, but true separation of the human body as it pertains to creating power is our hip going before the upper body. Right. You're getting that that X factor essentially. What people used to talk about. That's like um that old saying, walk away from the hands. Yeah, which I don't, I, I, I'll still use that for a hitter who's coming all at once, but that isn't what separating traditionally is. <laughs> yeah, you know, you use these cues, certain cues. And Juan Soto, you know, you ever see that drill that he does with the knob to the bat? Or, yes. Uh, knob, the bat, knob of the bat to the ball? Yep. That's just a cue. That's not the swing he, type of swing he wants to actually take, those who don't know that out there. But it, 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 you, as a coach, you, you have to be really, I think, Correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the expert here on coaching, but um, you have to be really careful to make these players understand what a cue is and what not to do at the plate. Like I said, you know, again, you don't actually want to swing down on the ball, but you may say to a hitter, as that was a previous misconception we talked about, you may say to a guy or girl, level out the swing a little bit, or your attack angle is this. I want you to feel like you're chopping down, and all of a sudden their swing is leveled out, and their attack angle is is fixed. Right. Or like the example you gave of, of that player in the Pirates organization who really doesn't have much success hitting that low ball. One thing you could do if you wanted to address that situation is to simply say, hey, let's try to swing up more. Hmm. Let's make your swing plane a little bit steeper. Things like that that are actually cues but are sometimes misguided when it comes to coaching and disguised as misconceptions but they could be used as cues to help those hitters 100 percent. i mean it's it's you're trying to recalibrate the hitter right so yeah. some people walk in and they're like what are you doing with this girl because i've put a cone five feet out in front and i've put a ball high in a tee and i say you need to hit a ground ball before that cone and people are like that's not how you hit i'm like you're right but this girl has swung and missed about 10 times off of a tee on a ball we need to recalibrate where she's at and it's am i going to do that for 45 minutes of course not am i going to do that to showcase and and make sure she controls her swing instead of just going out there and swinging. Yeah, I'm going to do it with some hitters. Um, and I think coaches need to have a little bit more confidence sometimes in having those discussions and putting those discussions out on social media, knowing they're going to get ridiculed. I know I put posts out there sometimes and drills out there that people are going to be like, that's ridiculous. But the conversation is, this isn't going to work for every hitter, but this might work for that one or two hitters whose brain works similarly to this individual's. Yeah, and if you want to have those conversations, just visit Cassie's Twitter page at Coach Cassie RB, and then of course on Instagram at Coach underscore Cassie RB. I shouldn't have got it wrong, by the way. I'll tell you why because it's underneath your your, That's right. your Instagram uh, <laughs> handle. So there's really no excuse now. Um, okay, so do we hit on everything today? Common misconceptions when it comes to hitting episode forty three. I so think so. I think so. Week. I think if the only thing to add to the conversation is that maybe in a year, two years, three years from now, whatever it may be there will be future misconceptions that we are talking about as it pertains to technology. Because the wait. next the next thing is people are going to be like, you know what, we thought the relationship between this metric and this metric was important, but it's actually this. And so I'm excited for those. 
Yeah. So, and next week we're going to be talking about breaking bad habit loops. Mm. This kind of ties in with some misconceptions as well. You may be doing some of those misconceptions or taking those cues as a hitter too far. And it's time to break those bad habit loops. There you go. I love it. <laughs> yeah. As we continue on talking some hitting here in the month of June, we've got some good topics coming up. So again, be sure to subscribe. Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, Pandora, iHeart. We're on TuneIn as well. Not sure if people use those type of platforms. I noticed that a lot of people use, obviously, Apple, but Spotify is the big thing that all the, the kids are using, right? Mm-hmm. And TikTok. Oh, I want to add one more thing before we go here. And Softball Strength Academy YouTube page to watch the show. Kids, speaking of TikTok, and Jake said this on the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast this week, and this is very important. I'm sure you agree too. Watch the game. You'll learn. Mm-hmm. You'll learn a lot about watching the game, what hitters Amen. are doing. Put yourself in that, you know, you talked about it last week when you're watching the softball um, national championships, the softball college women's collegiate softball world series. You're putting yourself in that, in the hitter's shoes and you're trying to guess and you're thinking along with the pitcher. That's what, you know, young kids do that. Get off TikTok for a second, yes. watch a couple of innings, baseball or softball, and try to put yourself in the position of that hitter. Understand what the pitcher might be doing to you because ultimately what's new is what's old in both baseball and softball. Amen. I'm waiting for a win reality or some type of virtual reality to allow us to watch the game that way as if we maybe are playing it. That would be, oh, yeah. 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 Well, Sunday One night day. baseball. One day, Jim. <laughs> Sunday night. We should invent that and we should just call it cross-functionality. <laughs> there you go. And that'll be, yeah. Um, the Sunday night baseball is trying it with the ump cam, but I, it's almost there. It's getting there. <laughs> yeah. That'll be, that'll be really cool. Virtual reality one day. All right. Next week, bad, uh, breaking bad habit loops. Thank you for watching and listening. Have a great week. We will talk to you then. Okay.